High Noon with George Hook. News Talk 106 to 108. Off now to Washington, D.C. to Michael Graham. Michael, hello. Hello, Greece. I'm so glad to be here and not dead. Yeah, well, I wanted to talk to you about bus strikes. <laughs> but before I do, you know something about the SIM app or something, do you? Uh, well, I don't know about that app specifically, but uh, I was just laugh- laughing listening to the conversation about the name calling because the Huffington Post this week ran a headline, Memo to Michael Graham, Why Can't We Be Allowed to Let You Die? So like you said, George, once you hit a certain age, people picking on you, calling you names, or asking you to be dead is well, no why did they want you to die? Oh, it's just a debate over health care and you know oh, yeah. the right to health care, blah, blah. But it's the same, but it just shows where the co- cultural conversation has gone. It's really here in the United States where people are regularly calling each other racist, haters, bigots, communists, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's hard to have a conversation about anything when someone's saying, but you should be dead. Okay, so. all right. Now, you don't have bus strikes because, of course, you don't have any buses. So <laughs> Actually, we have buses and we have bus strikes. And yesterday, my 35-minute ride on the Metro Rail took an hour and 25 minutes because of their awful incompetent service, which, of course, they made more helpful by not telling us there were delays so people are all stuck on the platforms wondering what's going on because that's your government union at work. And the same is the case with your nationalized bus service where as long as you guys keep forking over 40 million euro a year in subsidies, uh, they're going to keep finding new ways to spend it. Well, I mean, you haven't succeeded in sorting out your train service. I mean, you just told me that it's an incompetent service. Is that government paid for or private? It's it's government subsidized. So you haven't sorted it out. Oh, no, no, we have sorted out. We almost never take it. See, that's the difference. We know that mass transit stinks. We know it stinks because of the convergence of unions and governments. And so the vast majority of Americans, as you know, George, will never get on a train or a bus. We drive to get where we go. I'm one of the weirdos who who takes uh, uh, mass transit. And my rides are subsidized by my fellow taxpayers who have to watch news stories in Washington. We had a uh, metro incident last year before I moved here where a woman died of smoke inhalation after a fire caused because a metro inspector claimed he had inspected some electrical devices and he hadn't and then he faked the documents afterwards to keep from getting in trouble well now this woman's dead he's been fired and what is the government union doing they're fighting to get him his job back because that's how it works it is not about providing bus service for elderly people in rural ireland it's about keeping people on the job the saddest thing i read in the many news stories that your producer sent me was this bus driver who's like 50 years old and says quote I have no other choices in life. It's all I know how to do. Really? You're 50 and all you know how to do is drive. I could drive when I was 16. Yeah, but, I mean, he's been in the bus driving business. I mean, if he sends a letter of application to be a software engineer, they're (laughs) going to tell him, well, you're not qualified. So, I mean, what else is he qualified for except driving buses? Come on, and when you And when you spend your life with the assumption that somewhere there's a taxpayer who will sub uh, undergird your ride, no matter how much money it's losing, that's what you do. No other skills, no initiative, just you owe me a job. Yeah, but your job costs us a ridiculous amount of money. Doesn't matter. You owe me a okay. job. Now, I get it why, and we see it. 
um, although they, their state co- how the state company didn't realize it was a ton of money to be made in taking people to the airport. I mean, it seems amazing. But a private enterprise said, you know, there's a great load of money to be made in taking people to the airport. Now, the blue buses um, are, are uh, going to the airport all the time, making a ton of money. But right. what about, you know, um, if you're in Dubuque, Iowa or somewhere, <laughs> and you've got to take people from one farmhouse to another, right. then no guy who's trying to make a profit is going to touch that. So the only way we can take Farmer Bill in Dubuque, Iowa, is by, spon- by, by subsidizing the mm. bus that takes him. Or, or the individual ride, because you remember, George, we talked a few weeks ago about the, uh, you know, the car program that was driving out and kept picking up rural people, seniors, and it was costing us, I forget now, 80, 80 euros a trip or 100 euros a trip or whatever. I Look, if the people of Ireland want to spend their tax dollars to help you know, other people have access to transportation that would never make you know cost-efficient sense. That's that's your choice. Go right that ahead. That is our if you, choice. Exactly. If you want to tax the buses that make money to spread the money around to go out to rural areas, that's a choice too. But at some point, the cost becomes so heavy that it's not sustainable. And that's the point when you say to the driver, look, pal, you know, we had 100 drivers. The system won't work. All those seniors need us. So we're going to have a, a less frequent you know, rides. We're going to reduce our schedule and we're going to cut 20 drivers drivers to save the system. And his answer is, screw the system. I want my job. Well, what these, interestingly, uh, Claire Byrne live on the radio had a poll on television, in fact, and over half the people don't actually support the bus drivers in their strike. But, but the, the, the interesting thing, I think, and, and it's where we find common cause, is the bus drivers are actually prepared to put the company out of business. They're actually prepared to do that. So they, they're going to stay on strike and then the business closes down right. and they don't have a job anyway. And then you have bus routes come up that are the ones that are the most profitable or the closest to profitable, which serve the more you know urban or suburban areas. And then the rural people who need it the most are the ones who get it in the neck. We've seen that with train service in the United States because Amtrak in the Northeast makes money. That's where the dense population is. And the other train you know services don't. And so they're just withering on the vine. So you once again make this choice. But you make a good point about the drivers. I thought it was interesting that apparently years ago the drivers were ordered to turn on a GPS device on the bus to help the companies figure out, hey, what are the best routes? Can we maybe shave a few miles off here and there? Over the course of a year, the, the company claims they could save 350,000 euros. The drivers just refused to turn them on. <laughs> well, dude, this could save your job. Screw you. I'm not turning a flip switch. I'm not going to let you track where this bus goes, and I'm not going to let you take my job away. Well, yeah, one of those things can't stay true. And the thing that's going to become true is there's going to be no, as you know, as Margaret Thatcher's knows, the problem with spending other people's money yeah. is that eventually it runs out. But but all the while though, the the train is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. the, your Amtrak pals make money, and I've been right. on the train from Washington D.C. to New York. Uh, it's the same ride, roughly in time as Dublin to Cork. But it's about five times as expensive. So mm-hmm. therefore, um, we, it doesn't cost us $500 to go from Washington DC to New York. It costs us $75. Right. Similarly, um, because I'm a senior citizen, I don't have to pay on the train anyway. 
But, but notice that but your you're poor talking... old senior citizens are locked in to some appalling accommodation down in Washington, D.C., where they're afraid to go out because of the evil outside on the street, and they can't get a bus or a train. <laughs> I mean, you have uh, a different no, idea is, about is, George, socialism. Yeah, George, George, let me just say this. Our blue hell, wonderful blue-haired Americans are not sitting by the door waiting for a bus. They're out driving their cars, and I know because they are frequently plowing into me and into the front of donut shops and liquor stores. So that's where our seniors are. But notice you're talking about what people pay. You're not talking about what things cost, and this is the classic Euroweenie mistake. It costs a fixed amount of money to schlep a bus out to Orangomoran, wherever in you know county. Yeah, Orangomoran County Galway. Yeah, and it costs them you know a certain amount of money. Somebody's going to pay that money. Somebody. So who's stepping up to pay it? Me. And the bus driver's attitude is: I don't care who pays it as long as you know I, it doesn't affect me. As long as I get my share. And so it's at some point that model just breaks down. Everybody knows it. This is why <laughs> capitalism works. This is why Uber works. Well, uh, well now, I, I, I'm glad you got on to Uber because I wouldn't have thought of asking you. But I mean, Uber is an appalling concept. What? What? Uber's magnificent. Uber's like one of the best things that's ever happened in my entire life. It is not. I'm sitting outside the radio station in Washington, D.C. I turn on my Uber. The guy doesn't bother turning up. Eventually, a fella turns up. He doesn't know how to get around the corner without a sat-nav. I have no idea what kind of car he's going to drive. I don't know whether he's insured. And I don't actually know whether he's a criminal record. Uber takes no responsibility whatsoever, and that's why they're not allowed in Ireland. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that was George Hook giving you his, I have no idea, I've taken Uber once in my entire life experience. I take Uber three or four times a week for my job. We go up to Capitol Hill to shoot video and do interviews and stuff. And uh, Uber, the the driver shows up. I know the driver's name. I know his license plate and I know his car make because it's right on my Uber app. I know exactly what it's going to cost. No worrying about tipping. And the driver is a guy who owns a very expensive capital item, a car. He probably spends a lot of money for a car. Most, for most people, a car is the second most expensive thing they own besides their house. Uber lets you get revenue out of that car to help pay for that capital cost. But and it's not a taxi service. Uber is a car sharing service. You could, you could, if I was in Washington, you could just ring me up and say, George, will you pick me up and I'll give you <laughs> 20 bucks? That's all well, Uber is. It's yeah, just exactly. making it a bit easier. A, a bit easier? It's fantastic. I, I wouldn't want to for- get George picking me up. Well, I can get, I can, well, first of all, I, otherwise it's the cab driver. The cab driver is going to be more expensive, is also not going to know where he's going, and is going to be in a foul mood because so much of his money is taken from him from the ripoff cab company because of the government rules that oversee cabs. But my point is, Uber is a way to take the existing capital expenses and make people's lives better. There is no thinking like that inside the uh, bus iron, you know, rural car pickup, blah, blah, blah. It's about how can we give people stuff so they will vote for us in the next election and how can we go get George Hook's money and pay for it? All right. Okay. Enjoy your trip home in Uber in Washington, D.C. Michael Graham will be here same time next week.